You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. Today, we're talking innovation in higher education with the Dean of Boise State's College of Innovation and Design, Gordon Jones. The new college is a focal point for innovation on the BSU campus with a focus on integrated and applied studies. We think it's a great example for teaching design thinking and entrepreneurship across the curriculum, something every university should be doing. We caught up with uh, Dr. Jones on a recent trip to One Stone, an innovative new design-focused high school in Boise. Check out our March 15 video blog on gettingsmart.com. What brought you from Harvard to Boise State? The risk for Harvard is more about uh, corroding from the inside than ultimately being disrupted, and I got very interested in what is the rest of the 5,950 other institutions outside of the top 50. What are they doing to try to drive relevance and what are the forces that I think are really going to affect the viability or ultimately the relevance and potentially the viability of uh, different segments of higher ed. That led to a call out of the blue, I'll spare you sort of the full detail, but from President Kustra here at Boise State who said, hey, I'm a, long story short, I'm a very, we're a very leaning in university, you may not have heard of us, but I'm starting a whole new college that is gonna be called the College of Innovation and Design. And I told him at the time, I said, well, let me just, time out. I said, let me just tell you for a second. I'm not your traditional, I'm looking for a dean to found this. And I said, I'm not your traditional dean. I'm not even gonna, I'm not coming with a terminal degree. Um, and if you know anything about President Bob Custer, he said, that's exactly why I'm talking to you. He goes, if I, if I wanted a traditional credentials and background, I would have called this the College of Traditional Thinking. So I said, all right, I like you, let's talk. <laughs> and ultimately, um, I, the broader message is I got very interested in what's, rather than innovating with students across a spectrum of really cool and a really wonderful student body, obviously at Harvard, um, what can I do to try to drive um, quality and change in higher ed? With the autonomy and freedom to design and the confidence of University President Bob Kustra, Gordon provided insights around the opportunity to design this new college. What Bob handed me was a fairly unique, I'm not aware of another structure like it where I have diploma granting authority comparable to any other discipline-based college, and yet uh, the freedom to design the model for it. And that got me very excited because, again, back at Harvard, as exciting as the Harvard Innovation Lab is, at a certain point, the, 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 the experiential side, we blew that to 4,000 students. One in four students across, if you add up all the enrollment across Harvard, 18-year-olds through PhD uh, postdocs, had spent at least a day, a ta- one instance, coming through our doors. Describe the model for our Getting Smart listeners. The model of the College of Innovation and Design and what I've landed on is to try to take advantage of this mechanism. Can this mechanism be a catalytic effect on driving um, The ultimate goal is, I think there are two key drivers of change that have changed the conditions in which higher ed is operating in, and yet it's not clear to me, non-top 50 schools or top 100 or top 200 you pick, everybody else, it's not clear to me, um, understands and is acting in a way against those. Two I think of are affordability and the influence of technology. I think the social, I would argue the social contract between students Students, parents, and universities is dramatically moving because of the upswing in tuition as a portion of household income. Um, we have we have created ourselves as an industry um, this uh, greater uh, demands of parents and students to understand what exactly am I getting, and fundamentally more tying it to an economic outcome. 
How do you embrace agency, technology, and competency-based learning? The issue of technology to me is about as much about, and actually less, I would argue, I think there's others that have, the system's already recognized um, the influence of technology on how we might start to embrace it in the classroom. I think of it more in terms of how it's going to undermine the very work we do. And you look at, and many of you are involved I, from some quick screening with the venture community and education. And, um, you know, when I think of what the potential of a parchment degree or credly people who, you know, I think of four reasons we go to higher ed, right? It's knowledge, network, credential, uh, presumably for some kind of post-graduation outcome. And then some fuzzy fourth, uh, transformational learning that's faster than if I would just grow up on my own independent of college between 18 and 23. And, um, when some of these folks peel off some of that mixed value proposition of a higher ed institution and say, you know, take parchment degree credly, I'm going to be the independent market maker for employers and universities and more broadly consider this very imprecise thing of a registrar's transcript and add in all these other competency-based experiences. You're an Eagle Scout, you're a this, you're a that. And I can actually more perfectly present to folks, it gets pretty compelling on a business model viewpoint that, holy cow, technology can really transform this, deliver better human capital in a more efficient way than universities have traditionally done. And I capture that massive market. Think about how a deco and manpower and others operate. So I get very nervous because what does that mean for us if that can actually get traction? By the way, I apologize if I'm boring people, but I'm just rolling with this. You know, fundamentally, if I become ultimately a commodity and an input into someone else's algorithm, rather than having agency over my relationship with our community as a public university. And those two trends to me are very much things I think about when I think about the College of Innovation and Design and how can we serve as a mechanism. Some of these trends and issues that are ultimately, I think, born out of influence of technology and affordability look like um, there's two themes I think of in our college. One is how do we get the existing structure, which I think has been designed, it's not a poor design, it's just not, it's sort of constipated, it's not functioning on all cylinders. What can we do to catalyze and facilitate discipline-based colleges with research and teaching in a public university? What can we be doing there that can get it to better perhaps fire on all cylinders. And I'm not suggesting I'm the only, I have great colleagues in the, leading the discipline-based colleges we work with. Second is what are themes that cut across the university that no discipline-based college, I would argue, is best suited to address? Lifelong learning, um, you know, creating a, a minimum quality of employability. I mean, we at Boise State, traditionally, we put your department chair of the major you're in as one of your primary counselors for employment. I had a student the other day come to my office, a psychology major. I said, hey, talking about employment, I said, what, what did your faculty advisor tell you? And they said, well, I'm kind of disappointed. Um, he told me that psychology is really great because you can do anything. And I was like, what a, what a disaster. What a crap show that is. You know, everything means nothing in my book. So, and then I have a Department of Labor. Again, we're very tied. We're a public university. And the Boise, uh, uni Boise State is a primary feeder of the economic engine, I would argue, in Boise and, and perhaps regionally somewhat, but we're the only university of any size. Uh, I have a Department of Labor head here who says, hey, universities in Idaho, we produce 1,200 psychology majors a year. Number one major we produce in Idaho across our universities. I only need 200. Oh. 
And his argument, I don't, I don't agree with how he concludes, is you cap it, you do a bunch of things, and uh, I don't actually, I have a different take on that. But um, what can we do to ultimately get the, the existing system properly set up? So what, one, of the th one of the areas we focus on, I'm a little bit, I would look, I'd, like, I'd liken this model to a little bit to almost like an internal venture capital model where the LP is the state. And, um, and by the way, I pick different ways to describe this based on who I'm talking to, but with this audience, I think I'm picking the right doorway to go through, but you tell me. One way to look at this is I'm identifying one thematic is where can I encourage our faculty to be, who want to be working across disciplinary boundaries to identify new majors that may have relevance to our community, but also the structure and culture of the existing university retards that ability. Let's dive deeper and talk uh, game-based learning, uh, AR, VR, and computer science. We've launched a new major in AR and VR. We call it Gaming Interactive Media Mobile Technology. It's a fusion of psychology, art, and computer science. And you know probably as well as I do, I hope that those three disciplinary groups would rarely talk to each other and have zero incentive in any university to be working with each other outside some collision of stars that would make those three faculty want to be working together. What we can do, though, is say, hey, because of the normal bureaucracy, if we like that, you come in, we'll sponsor and nurture, grow, validate or invalidate, and then I export back out to my university uh, so those that validate. So gaming interactive media happens to be already a real big hit. 200 majors in 15 months, freshmen and sophomores, as we roll this out, so we can at least linearly predict this is 400 or more. So how many majors do you have in the in the college we now? One. We're, we're two. We're in our second academic year. So, do you? Is it your goal to become a really big uh, college on campus, or is it more horizontal? Do you want, want to infect? Uh, it's infecting other. other so one of the decisions I made up front is I and I was getting there and I got myself off track is. Um, we have chosen, uh, I took all the funding that had to do with faculty lines and said, I'll take the money, but I'm not hiring tenured faculty here. What we do is we sponsor existing faculty, right. bring them in, and what you heard me describe is that catalytic effect. The model right. is I can now, the natural inclination is not to start things because of these structural and cultural problems. You can't get them going. There's no catalyzing that can occur because these three faculty then have to work in a process that's either affecting their tenure or it's just challenging. So what we'll do is, come on in, let's get it going and prove it out. I reduce that because as a diploma-granting college, I go right to a university-wide curriculum. I only have one hurdle to get through to get this going. But I assign a prenup up front, too, that says if this doesn't materialize, we know how this is going to end. In three years, I'm going to throw a great big party. We're going to celebrate what we tried, but we're going to pull it apart and save the university, the zombie majors and minors that exist, these sort of limping along things that really should be killed but culturally can't Sir, be used. Are you thinking there'll be a... A minor that becomes really popular, like a minor in design or a, a, a series of micro-credentials that you'll offer that will become part of other there's, colleges? So there's, yeah, there's a couple things. We'll have, we have some, some interest in from faculty who might want to do majors. So gaming and VR is one. It's a, that's, a, that's a more traditional embodiment, but is uh, very relevant to a pace of innovation we wouldn't get in this university. And it's modeled by enrollments and where they come from. We're drawing a lot of out-of-state. That tells us something. We have certain minors that come up that also reflect, I have an anthropology faculty member who's saying, I want to uh, adapt the techniques of anthropologists to a, a world of uh, arenas other than studying people groups, employable 
worlds. So I'm going to shorten cycle times of observation. How do we ultimately apply this? That's a certificate that comes alongside lots of majors. We then get into themes, which is, I mean, what you're talking about is we're working on this idea of where do we as a university, and some of this exists, if I'm quite honest, I don't want to make it sound like somehow, is um, we currently offer 85 different minors and certificates. What we don't do is we almost always assume and act in a way that says you have to be getting that certificate in a conjunction with the pursuit of a bachelor's. So I'm saying, why don't we decouple that and allow any learner to show up on campus, pursue courses that satisfy a certificate, yeah. and now we'll rep and warranty you so that if I get a certificate in gaming and VR, I might be the draftsman equivalent to an architect, but does a university willing to rep and warranty? So yes, Gordon Jones earned a certificate. In fact, he's 19, he just did it, that's great. You wanna hire him so-and-so, or you wanna, that's an outcome, that's great. That granularization creating currency is a theme we wanna be working on in the direction we're already pursuing on that. Um, but we have a real vision around this, this use of certificates, um, not confusing us with the community college mandate that's doing great certificates, but um, implementing certificates that I think further granularizes the currency and the credentialing that can occur. This idea of stackable, right. stackable credit hours that add up to that. Any connection with uh, computer science yet? Yes, we, um, so we oversee, uh, we have about 10 things that in our first year we put out, one of which is we oversee a version of that Harvard iLab thing I shared with you, it's called Venture College. That group is creating with CS a, uh, basically it's a lean launchpad based curriculum that will broaden that CS major so that they can be thinking about economic viability along with the great ideas, the problem-solving ideas that can come from that tech. So we're actually creating a course for CS that we'll then outsource through. Our friends at OneStone, the Boise nonprofit and new high school, have a design thinking process that's central to the way their school is organized. Does Boise State have a similar uh, process or a set of design principles? I would say, um, I would say that we are... Uh, friends and embody many of the ver the principles of design thinking, but unlike a D school or a one stone, I don't think we've anchored ourselves in a philosophy of design thinking as the doorway through which we step into everything else we do. Right. Is that, is that a fair characterization? I think I would frame it as, um, the, the guiding star to me, is again, first of all, student-centered with an idea that it, it's really almost, I, I, I'm visioning the outcome. It's the idea that a public university creates, uh, you know, affordability, accessibility with the highest caliber and being very open to how you define bringing caliber to bear. If this was wildly successful, what would it look like? We would have raving community members from our state and maybe beyond to the degree we serve a regional. Leverage who say your graduates continue to outpace any of the other schools with which we find people, whether that be at City Hall hiring, or not, our Shakespeare Festival, to Micron, to um, you're constantly, um, you're not a, you're, you're either a fast follower or in some cases an innovator rather than a laggard putting out accountants and nurses. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to check out our interview with Olin College students about their design thinking and project-based learning in Season 2, Episode 19, the podcast titled Project-Based Engineering at Olin College. 
Thanks so much to Gordon Jones for speaking with us today, and to Adam Kulas and Troy Lund for mixing and producing this podcast. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Kat and Tom signing off.